Tonight, if you would, turn over to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 6. We're going to read, we're going to read it all the way to 20, 24, but to the first, we're going to start with 6 through 17. And we're going to look at tonight this title, How God Reveals Himself to Us. How God Reveals Himself to Us. Acts chapter 8 verse 6 says, And the people with one accord, this, this goes back to just a few verses of last week, so we'll understand where we're at. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Praise the Lord. And verse 9 is where we start tonight. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerned the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And verse 16 says, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. How God reveals Himself to us. Thank God that He does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, for Your encouragement. I thank You, Lord, that You do reveal Yourself to us. I thank You, Lord, that You revealed Yourself to me. God, a sinner. Lord, a wretch. Lord, someone who had rejected You. And God, Lord, Your goodness and Your mercy, Lord, just overwhelms us, Lord, when we think of the goodness of God, that a holy God would reveal Himself to a wretch like me. And God, I pray tonight that, Lord, You would continue revealing Yourself as You did in these verses to those tonight that are watching. And Lord, those that don't know You, that they would see that, Lord, You're revealing Yourself because You love them and because of what You want to do. Lord, move. Holy Spirit, speak. And Lord, deal with us. And God, minister as we pray. And we thank You for what You're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. How God reveals Himself to us. Every one of us that have given our heart and life to Jesus Christ knows that there was a time that we were sinners and we were far from the things of God. And during that time of our darkness and our indifference to the things of God, the Lord had mercy upon us that He came to us and He revealed to us His presence, His love, His mercy, His grace, but He also revealed our sin. And when the Lord comes to us, He reveals 
Himself to us so that we can not only know that He loves us, not that He's a, a harsh God that hates us and He wants to send us to destruction. There is a time of judgment, but right now is a time of mercy and grace. But God reaches down with His love and He fills our hearts and He reaches us and He deals with us, but He also reveals what's within us that we need. We realize we need Him so much. And that's the wondrous thing that God does. In these verses, we're tonight. We're gonna. There's, there's actually uh, when God revealed Himself here. Uh, if you look at what we've came from the last couple of services or a couple of Wednesday nights, it seemed like God was out of control. It seemed like the bad things that was happened, the persecution of the church, what happened to Stephen, the fact that Paul's now ransacking the church. It looks like God doesn't have control. It looks like God is. Is, is out of control and the enemy is trying to ransack. But God's plan is perfectly being worked out. And we see that the very reason, the, the very reason what Stephen went through was to propel the word and the gospel of goodness of God from Jerusalem out to the world like he promised he was going to send. And this was God's way of fulfilling that promise that he'd already said. God knew everything he was going to do from the very beginning. He was going to work through this persecution to reveal his word. And so we see that, uh, we seen last week of how uh, uh, Philip was, uh, was fleeing from Jerusalem. And as he was leaving, he was a refugee, as you may. And he's fleeing and he stops in Samaria, a place where Jews uh, would have normally have avoided. But we see that he's going forth and he stay, goes to, to uh, Samaria where uh, these, these people were be, always had been avoided by the Jews. And what is he doing? He's preaching the word. In those first three verses that we read tonight talks about he preached the word and they heard about the word and they received the word and they called out on the name of the Lord and he totally transformed the entire city. And I love that verse uh, that says that uh, and verse 8 that says and there was great joy. Great joy and a massive amount of joy in that city. You couldn't even contain it because of the transformation that was going on in the lives of these Samaritans. God cared enough to reveal Himself to them. But there was two responses. When you look at these verses, and we're not, we won't focus a lot on... on uh, we're going to look at, first of all, God... The, the response that God of how He reveals Himself when we receive Him and the goodness of God, how we receive Him. But then we're going to look for just a minute at those that may believe, but not they're not changed. They reject uh, of surrendering themselves. And we're going to look because it's, it, the, the, the whole chapter transitions right here in verse 9. And it tells about the great joy. And you see this revival that's going on in the city. And then you, when you see the word but, that is saying, whoa, wait a minute, take... Take, uh, take notice of this. There's a transition happening. Something is different here. And it's saying there's revival going on. But it says that there was a certain man called Simon. Which before time in that same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria. Giving out that himself was some great one to whom all they all gave heed, and from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God, and to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. 
we see here that these, uh, in fact, we know that Satan had a stronghold in this city because not only what he was doing in Simon's life, not only because that this man was using uh, uh, through this power of Satan, whether it was trickery or the power, very likely it's the power of Satan here, because we look at what happened when Philip's preaching the word that many people were set free of, who had been was possessed with devils. And they were filled with the spirit of Satan. And so Satan had a stronghold in the city. Satan was trying because he this was his territory. This was not the Jews' territory. This was somewhere he had a stronghold and he had claimed these lives and we see that these people it says that they uh, this man Simon had used his sorceries to captivate them to to get them to be fearful of him and to get them to think he was something that he wasn't we see that he had convinced them that he was something he claimed that he was something and that he had uh, from the least to the greatest thinking that this power that he had was a power from a god And so it says that it was the great power of God. He claimed that he had something that he didn't. And we see that they were under the spell of his power. And they were fearful of him. And they watched him. And they had an awe. And it says that word bewitched actually is the same word that's used later. And it's almost every other time it's amazed. They were amazed at the power that he had. You know, you read that and you think, no, wait a minute, how can Satan have power? How can this man have power? Listen, Satan has power, but it's limited. He has power, and he wants you to think that he's in control. He wants you to think that he's the one that uh, has that you need to be fearful of. He's the one that can give you the desires of your heart. He's the one that you need to pay attention to because of all the things he can do. Many people all throughout the ages have surrendered their life to him because he's promised them power. He's prom- Even he did the same thing to the Lord. He promised him to give him kingdoms. He promised him authority. But his power is limited. His power is doomed. His power is temporary. But we see here that even though that Simon had power and he amazed people, his power was only darkness. His power left people empty. It didn't change any lives. And that's the wondrous thing that we see about the power of God. That God, listen, when you see where they were, you see the fact that they were under this, uh, 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 under this power, this darkness, that the enemy was running ramsack over them. We see the love of God and we see that God reveals His power to us. First, we see that God reveals His power to us by the fact that He cares for us. We see that He cares for us first, that He sent His Son. See, Philip came and he gives them the message. What's he says? He's preaching Jesus Christ. He's coming to them and he's saying to them, let me tell you about, let me tell you about someone who loved you enough, a God, the God of heaven, who loved you enough that he cared for you so much that he sent his son and he died in Jerusalem on a cross to die and he raised again. And I'm a testimony of the fact that he raised again. And, and, and it's a testimony to you that he cares for you and loves you. Oh, what an impact. It had on them to see that God cared for them so much. He was revealing His power, not through darkness, not through just amazing things, but He revealed it through the fact that He's proving that He cares. He cared for them enough that He sent His servant, not just His son, but He sent His servant, Philip, 
to them, to a place where Jews had always uh, uh, said, don't go there. We'll go out of our way 20 miles just so we don't come to this area, just so we don't come to these people. And God loved them enough that He sent His servant to them to proclaim the good news. And not only to proclaim it, but to be able to do mighty, amazing things, great miracles, heal their bodies, meet their needs, God showed Himself powerful and that He was real and that He cared for them not only by sending His Son, but He also sent His servant. Uh, Just as Jesus Christ had been in Samaria seven years before and He said, I must needs go through Samaria. I talked about this the other day. And He came and found the woman at the well and He wanted to meet her needs because she was cast out. She was someone being rejected. And He loved her so much that He came to let her know, I love you. I want to give you a transformation in your life. I can turn that life around that you've given up hope and everybody else has given up hope I'm coming to you when everyone else has rejected you now seven years later he's sending his servant he's sending one of his uh, servants to come to them Philip who's coming to them and saying hey you were in darkness hey you were distant you were rejected you've been told that you're not good enough and yet God sent his servant to them to reveal to them that God loved them so much that he sent them and he's proven himself to them because he died for them. He's doing the miraculous for them and he loves them. And so God shows his power because he shows how much he cares for us. Hey, how much, how powerful is it to us to realize that God loves us even as a sinner God loves us so much that He gave His only Son. And who is the servant He sent to you? Someone preached the Word to you. Someone, if you have given your heart and life, there was someone He used as a vessel so that you could hear the good news of the gospel and it impacted your life and you surrendered. Isn't it wondrous that God sent... That was not an accident. God doesn't do things accidentally. God does things through divine appointments. And God sent the person to us. God sent the person to Samaria. And do you know what? God could be sending you to someone else. God can use you. If you allow Him, He will use you just like He did Philip to be that voice, to be that vessel, to be that good news that goes forth offering hope. Hallelujah. He's available if you'll let Him. And not only did He show His power by His Son and His servant, He he proved His caring because of His Spirit that He sent. He's going to anoint them and Fill them all with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that a little more in just a minute. So God reveals His power to you and me and to these Samaritans because He reveals it through the fact that He cares. A holy God, a holy God who looks at us and He sees our sin. He sees the vileness of our hearts. But He also sees who we can be when He touches us. And He sends forth His message of love and hope to show us how much He cares for us. And so, thank God, He reveals His power by the fact that He shows that He cares us. God also reveals His power not only by caring for us, but by convicting us. He sees us where we are. And He sees the circumstance that our life is in. And He doesn't want to leave us there. And the only way that He can do that is through convicting our hearts and lives. It says in verse 6, it says, And the people with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Why? How, what, how did they, with one accord, give heed to what he spake? It was because of that Holy Spirit conviction that he sent down. See, that Holy Spirit 
is, is like a double-edged sword. That Holy Spirit comes and surrounds us. We feel His love. We feel the grace. We feel a hope inside of us. God deals with us through He touches us through that Holy Spirit. We realize God's talking to us. We realize that God loves us. We realize that God's trying to do something in us. But at the same time, we're feeling the love of God through the Spirit. We're also seeing our need for Him. We're seeing the vileness of our heart. That spotlight is in our heart. And we can see and we realize, God, you're touching me. God, you're here. God, you're near me. But God, I'm, I'm so woefully uh, undone. I'm so vile before you. And all of a sudden shame fills our heart and we sense our need and then all of a sudden that's where we're broken and we come running to God why because he convicts us God loves us and shows his power and his love for you because he convicts you and he sends you his mighty presence hallelujah isn't this a wonderful thing isn't this the most wondrous thing that God loves you enough that he convicts you that he shows you your 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 shortcomings and then he lets you know I can make up the difference I'm the one that can turn this around I'm the one that wants to do something in your life will you surrender to me and listen let me tell you something when I came to him there was nothing for me to hang on to I came to him with nothing but brokenness I came to him with a life that was shipwrecked I came to him with nothing that I could say Lord look what I've got I came to him and said had to say Lord here's all the broken pieces if you can do something with this you have right at it Lord because I, I, I'm a mess I need you so much and he took those broken pieces and he made me whole and he washed me clean and thank God that he loves us and reveals his power by convicting us so we see that he can he cares for us he reveals his power through caring he reveals his power by convicting God also reveals his power by converting he doesn't leave us there he doesn't just convict us he doesn't just show us that he loves us but he convicts us for a purpose why because he wants to change you he wants to completely change you take you from death unto life from darkness unto light from from a destruction unto eternal joy what a wondrous thing that God wants to do. And He wants to transform your life. Oh, so many people, they keep carrying it. They keep pushing it and kicking the can down the road. Maybe I'll give my life to Him later. I'm going to wait a little bit later. And God's saying the reason I'm dealing with you is all those things in your life that's shipwrecking your life. All that disaster, all that hurt and pain and scars and death. I want to give you a brand new life. I want to change you. I want to convert you. And so that's the wondrous thing. He reveals His power in your life because He converts you. He takes you from where you are and who you are and He gives you a brand new life. Oh, I'm telling you something. Let me tell you, there is nothing more real to me than that because of what he did in my own life. I remember how dark it was. I remember how fearful it was. I remember how guilty I was. And I remember the moment that he saved me and that he washed me clean. All of a sudden, I felt so clean. I'm telling you what, it was. I felt like I didn't need to brush my teeth for six weeks. Why? Because... Uh, because of what God had done within me. He changed me in just a matter of minutes. Everything changed. Thank God he reveals. Listen, they, they had never, these people had never experienced anything like this. They'd only seen the power, this power of God that this man was proclaiming. And it was just darkness and it was death. It was disaster. It was just uh, the enemy trying to destroy their lives. And all of a sudden, a God has mercy that he comes and reveals his love to them. And he's saying to them, I love you. I care for you. I, I'm convicting you. Look at what you, God, I want to do in your life. And not only that, I'm going to convert you. And they surrendered. We see that they 
they surrendered. How do we know that they surrendered? Because it says in verse 8, it says, And there was great joy in that city. Because the verse 6 told us that they gave heed according to the things he spoke and hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. He revealed himself and they surrendered to him. And it says, how do we know that they something had changed? Because I can relate to that verse. When I see that, it says there was great joy. I can relate to that. I remember that night. Great joy. It's the only way to describe it. Great joy filled my heart. Couldn't wait to get out of church, go drive my, and drive up to, I, my dad was pastoring over here, and, and I think over here, and, uh, and I, he had, was already home, and we had a service, and I went to First Pentecostal, and I had to drive up to mom and dad's house to let them know I got saved tonight, and the transformation that happened in my life. What happened? Joy filled my heart. Joy filled my life. Isn't it wondrous that God reveals Himself to us by changing us? He doesn't want us to leave us where we are. Even when we, we have things in our life that He knows that's not uh, what He wants, He wants to change us. Even as Christians, He wants to change us. He wants us to fill us with His presence and Spirit so that we can have eternal life and that we can have the joy that He wants to give us. And so when we do that and surrender to Him, when we completely surrender all to Him and we come up there and lay it all on the altar, altar, we leave with joy in our heart. Thank God that He reveals His power by converting us. You know what else He did? I almost left this one out, but I think it's important to see because God cares about the little details about your life. God cares about the things that uh, where you've been hurt. God cares about uh, uh, communion. God cares about uh, 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 community for you to be involved and for you to be plugged. It's important, by the way. It is so important for you to be in the body of Christ. It's important for you to be in the house of God. And I know right now we're limited because of this disease that's going around. But let me tell you something. One of the most powerful things is for you to be part of a church community, in a, in a church service where people are there and you can hear the Word of God face to face and the glory can fall and people can pray with you. God knows you need that. And so God didn't leave them out. They, you got to realize, you got to see where they're at. Who are these people? These are the Samaritans. They have been ostracized. The Jews have no part with them. And they don't want to have any part with the Jews because they've been rejected. And so they've been told they weren't good enough. And all of a sudden, one day, here comes a Jew who says, let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. And he gives them this good news. He's doing the miraculous. God reveals to their heart their sin. They are converted and they're saved. And God doesn't just leave them there. But God wants to plug them in. God wants them to have Christian family to plug them in. So God reveals His power by connecting us. Connecting us. We see that in verse 14. They were connected first with the church from Jerusalem. It says that in verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them who? Peter and John. Two of the greatest apostles, God's, or the Lord Himself, two of His closest friends, they sent them who were powerful examples. They represented the church. In fact, the Lord says, Peter, I'm gonna, on you, I'm going to build, you're going to be my rock. I'm going to build the church. You're going to do great things. You're, gonna be a, a, you're not going to be a weak vessel anymore. I'm going to use you to do great things. And boy, did God use him miraculously. And they sent their two best down to Samaria, who would have never gone there. And so they, they came to witness what they, had, they found that it, that it happened. And when they get there, they see that it's 
true. And so they, here they are, these, these Gentiles are sitting there, these Samaritans are sitting there, and they're realizing, wait a minute, you all used to reject us, and now what are you doing? You're receiving us. They came and encouraged them. They came and, and, and supported them. They came and showed they accepted them. And then they prayed for them. They let them know you're now part of the body of Christ. You're now part of the church, this new church of Jesus Christ. And we love you and we accept you and we're all in one body. Isn't that the same thing that he does even tonight with you and me? That when we get saved, that he plugs us in as members of the body and the bride of Christ. That we now have a brand new family. That we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We now are brides of Christ. And we will all spend eternity as Christians in the glory of the presence of our Lord and Savior. Worshiping together throughout eternity. What a wonderful thing that God doesn't just save us and say there you are on your own. But God wants us plugged in. God wants us connected. God wants us together. And so God showed His love for them and His power that He took something that just a few days before they would have said is impossible, that no way this could ever happen. And all of a sudden, they are now plugged in. They're one body. They're one flesh. There is no longer Jew and Gentile. But they are one body under Christ. What a wondrous plan. This was the great and hidden plan of God that Gentiles, as well as Jews, are able to receive the glorious salvation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we thank Him for that. So we see he's, He reveals His power by caring for us. He reveals His power by convicting us. He reveals His power by converting us. He also reveals His power by consecrating us, by filling us with the power of His Spirit. So they came, and Peter and John got there, and they did, they'd seen that there was such a transformation in the lives of these people. But they found out that they'd gotten saved, and that Philip had baptized them, but not one of them had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they found out that none of them had been filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, they got them together. And verse 17 says, They laid their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. God poured out His Spirit. We see here that God wasn't done with them. God's not just satisfied letting us know He loves us. He's not just satisfied by, by uh, trying to convict us. And not only that, he, and He's just not satisfied He's changed us. Now we're, now we're plugged into the body of Christ and we're saved and we're going uh, to make it to heaven. He's not satisfied there. He's not just satisfied that He wants us to be connected with other believers. But He wants us to have the ultimate gift that He wants to give us. The greatest gift that He can give you as a child of God after salvation is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. Let me underline this for you again tonight. It is a separate manifestation. It is not given to you only when you get saved. Yes, the power of God reveals. God cleanses. God puts His Spirit within you. But there is an overwhelming separate experience of being Feel with the Holy Spirit that He wants to give you. That is the fullness of His Spirit overflowing your life. How do I know that? Because He did it in my life. How did I know that? Because He still stirs me and speaks. And He still moves through me. And, he, and no, I'm nothing. But I'm just saying there is a separate move of the Holy Spirit. And we all need it. If you want all God has for you, you need to ask for that Spirit. We see here that they had been saved. They had been baptized. But they still had not been filled with the Spirit. And the, the apostles came and laid hands on these people and they were filled. 
Hallelujah. And we see that that's God's ultimate gift He wants to give. In fact, He tells us about it. In Luke chapter 11, 13, it says, If ye then, talking about the fathers, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, you're good, you do good things for your children, you love them, you want to do good things, you want them to know you love them, and you try to give them the best that you can financially afford. You try to give them the best clothes. You try to give them the best house, the best education. You want to give them the best toys even, stuff that they don't even need. You try to give them the best. Why? You want to show them you love them. And he, he uses us and he gets our minds thinking about how we love our children. That's the way the Word of God works. And then he goes on to says, then how much more? If you're able to do that and you're wicked... You're not nothing like me. If you're that kind of person and you do good things for your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, who is unlimited, who has all power, who can give you anything, shall give what? The Holy Spirit. To who? To them that ask Him. So the requirements here is we see the love of God not only wants to save us, but He wants to consecrate us. He wants to fill us with His power. And He wants to give it. Who to? His children. How do they get it? They ask for it. They ask for it. It needs to be important. Listen, I'm telling you, I think there's a generation of Pentecostals that are content not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're missing out on the greatest stuff that God has for you. God wants to do things through your life. God can do so much more in your life if you'll surrender to Him and you'll get a hunger and say, Lord, overflow me with Your Spirit. God, overflow me with Your power. Lord, I want all of you there is. And when He bubbles over, you'll have no doubt it's a separate experience. He'll do it. It's the, we're not seeking the tongues. That's just a manifestation of being filled. That's not what we're seeking. We're seeking God. You feel me. Here I am. Empty this vessel out of everything else. Overflow me. Use me, God. You have your way in my life. And then God overflows us. Oh, what a change you'll make in your life. So we see the goodness of God and how He reveals themselves to those that believe in Him, that put their confidence in Him. But He gives us, and I'm going I'm to just go over this real quickly. He gives us a warning. You see, He doesn't start that chapter or that section in verse Nine and says, but there was a certain man. He doesn't tell us this, except he wants us to see a caution. He wants us to see the difference of this man. It says in verse 13, it tells us that Simon believed and was baptized. But we see that in verse, uh, in verse 13, it says, then he's talking about everybody else got saved. All the ones that he had this authority over, all the ones that was fearful of him, all the ones that thought he was something, they all got saved and was baptized. And then we see this word again, another transition. Then, after all that happened, he sees he's lost his authority. He sees that everyone else is going this way. This says, Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He followed him. And it says, and wondered. That word wondered there is the exact same word. It's amazed that it was using before in the verses that says that he bewitched them. It's the exact same word. He was the one that was amazing everyone else. And now when he sees the true power of God, when he sees the awesome power of God, he's amazed. And so he's trying to accept. He's actually, we're going to see that he's putting it on. He, he's not completely surrendering. Yes, he sees and believes that God is real. He sees this power is great and he desires it and he's watching and he's looking for an opportunity. But we see that he, we, we're going to be able to tell he does not lay it down. He truly does not surrender. He wants to hang on to the world with one hand and, and God with the other and he's trying to see if he can hang on to both. And we see that it never works. That never, ever 
works. We see that, you know what, this word, but you said it says he believed. Do you know that the same word that's used there is sometimes used, it doesn't always mean a believing faith. It means they believe that God is. How do I know that? It says that's the exact same word James 2.19 uses, talking about demons believing in God. It says that, it says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. That verse is saying, you, you, you're, you, you're, you're so encouraged that you believe in God. Wonderful. Even demons believe. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in heaven. They believe in hell. But they are not saved. They, this, this belief is not a, a faith that causes them to surrender to God to be saved. And the exact same word is used here with Simon. And we see that he was sitting here going through the motions looking for an opportunity. And he was, he was amazed at what he saw. But he was not surrendering. He gives us, an, we're going to see here in these verses, when we get saved, we've got to lay it all down at the altar. We've got to lay it all. In fact, when it says that they were filled, it doesn't say he was filled. It said they were filled. It's talking about the rest of the people but he wasn't and just like here's let me tell you something here's the thing I, I just want to show you that God has mercy God has mercy on people and it doesn't doesn't make sense I don't have an answer for this but God had a special season of mercy in his life first of all God had mercy uh, because that he uh, revealed his sin uh, we see here that uh, uh, that Peter pronounced uh, judgment on him and told him and revealed his sin. Listen, let me tell you something before I forget it here. Listen, this, you got to hear this. To have all of God, if you want all there is of God, then God has to have all of you. He was hanging on to the things of the world. He was trying to hang on to the things of the past. He realized he lost his power. He's looking for an opportunity to advance himself again. He was not looking for the, what God, uh, what he could do for God or how much change God could make in his life, but he was looking for what God could do for him. And so he wasn't willing to surrender it all. He wasn't willing to give it up. But let me tell you something. God will give you, He's already given you everything, but He demands the same of you. He wants your everything. He wants a complete and total surrender. And God won't take one inch that you don't give Him. You listen to me. God won't take one inch of your heart and your life that you don't give Him. And so this, this word is encouraging us to not give Him everything. Give Him all. We see that Peter presents, or, or presents repentance to Simon in verse 20 through 20. Three, it says, but Peter, actually it says that uh, in verse 18 and 19, and when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, instead of him receiving, instead of him saying, Lord, give it to me, Lord. give me that same Holy Spirit. God, change me. It says that when he seen that that's how they did it, he said he'd offered them money, saying, give me also this power that on whosoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, God revealed his heart. Now he's revealed to show that he has not truly given his heart to God because his desires are so wrong. At this moment right here, when Peter says to him, but verse 20 says, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast brought, thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner. We, we have nothing to do with you, for thy heart is not right. In the sight of God. And then we see repentance. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness. 
and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. God, first of all, loves us enough that he reveals the hidden sin. Just like when he came to David. David, thou art the man. David, you are the one that has sinned against God. And the difference is strikingly different. David repented. We see that here he offered mercy. He offered a chance for repentance. You know what doesn't make sense? And God, it's amazing that God done this because just a few chapters rewind. Someone else that had done the exact kind of thing to where they were seeing what God could do for them instead of what they could do for God or they could surrender to God. They were looking for a way to hang on to the world, hang on to the things of God. It was Ananias and Sapphire. What happened? God brought immediate judgment upon them. God brought immediate judgment upon them. And here this man, he didn't deserve it. But God reached out with a measure of mercy and said, you need to repent. And he says that I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness. What was going on? He was angry. He was bitter because he lost his control. He lost his power. And he no longer, they were looking at him, but they were looking at Philip the way they used to look at him. And Philip had real power. And he was bitter inside because he had lost that control. And he would not surrender everything to God. And when the Holy Spirit was being poured out, he didn't get the Holy Spirit. And now he's being revealed what's going on in his true heart. And so God's revealing mercy to him. But does he take it? This is so sad. We see that he did not accept the mercy. In fact, it says in verse 24, he rejects repentance. He rejects it. Here's how he did it. He didn't take the time to say, he could have said, oh, please help me pray that God will forgive me as David did. Oh, Lord, I cast myself at your feet. I'm a sinner. I'm a vile wretch. I deserve everything you give me. Have mercy on me. God, renew a right spirit within me, right? But that's not what we see him do. What does he say when he says to him that you need to repent, that God might have mercy on you? And then it says, and this is the last we see of him in this word of God. It says, then answered Simon and said, pray ye. Not he wouldn't praying. Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come unto me. Instead of him saying, I'm guilty as charged. Please ask God to forgive me. God could have brought him miraculously into the kingdom of God. God could have changed his life. We could have seen a different outcome. But what he asked for was, please pray that none of these bad things happen to me. Pray that I get off. Pray that God just lets me by with it. God, leave me where I'm at. Do you know something I'll just give you as, a, as a, the sad note of this life? If you read further, there is other uh, church history writers later that talks about this man and and it's it shows that right after this that Simon became an adversary of the church he was the father of Gnosticism and in fact in his later years he actually went insane and even buried himself alive he lost his own mind why because he had an opportunity and he rejected the things of God but tonight we need to learn from this scripture tonight this, that we can be encouraged tonight, not discouraged. But we need to realize that God reveals His mercy to us. God reveals Himself to us in so many ways. He reveals Himself by the way He cares for you. He loves you so much. 
He's given so much for you. He's convicted you. If you've given your heart to Him, He convicts you. Even when you make mistakes, He still convicts us. Thank God that He convicts us. And He doesn't let us keep going. He, he connects us. He wants us uh, to be connected with the church. He converts us. He transforms us from sin and washes us clean. And then He wants to consecrate you and fill you with His Spirit. What a wondrous thing that God is doing. And so tonight, this is, his, this is what He is encouraging us with as we go through this book of Acts. We need to realize God reveals Himself to us. Every single day in the morning, if you get in His presence, God will reveal Himself to you. Through the Word of God, He'll reveal Himself to you. Through the speaking of the Holy Spirit, He will reveal. He'll even warn you. He'll speak to you and give you words of caution. Don't do that. Don't say that. Have you ever had that happen? He'll give you a caution. Don't respond this way. Don't react this way. And His mercy, His love is manifested because He daily wants to reveal Himself. But the fault is, most of the time, if we don't watch, we're not even looking. We're not even listening. We're not even trying to see. And sometimes we may feel all alone, but God is revealing Himself. And tonight, there could be some tonight that He's revealing Himself. And you know right now, right now in your heart that you're not where you need to be. He may be revealing in you that He's got the greatest gift that He wants to give you and you need it. And so tonight, you can start praying for that. He may be revealing in you that there's something that He's been trying to get out and He wants to correct that. He wants to get it out so that He can pour His Spirit all over you and so that He can continue working and blessing. You need to surrender that. But you also may be not even saved and you're watching this and you realize that he, yes, He's been revealing. Yes, He's been stirring. Yes, He's been convicting. Then let Him do the rest of the work. Let Him change you. Let Him totally convert you and to cleanse you tonight he'll do it if you'll let him whatever your need is tonight and if you've rejected him all oh, call out on his mercy because his mercy endures and right now god wants to be merciful on your behalf if you'll just let him tonight when we pray i'm going to pray for all those different groups and whatever you're in and if you're living in victory and you're experiencing all those then we can spend that time glorifying god and thanking him for the love that He sent. For all these wonderful things that He reveals Himself. He's worthy of praise. So tonight, whatever situation you're in, and even if you don't know Him, you can call out on Him right now, right where you're at. You don't have to be in the house of God. You don't have to be around anybody else. You can call out on Him right now, tonight. And you can be saved through the power and presence of His Spirit. He's revealed Himself to you tonight so that you can call out on Him. Tonight, believers, would you pray with me and all of you, would you pray that God would have His way in whatever circumstance you find yourself, that you would be able to glorify Him or call out on Him for His help. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, tonight for Your Word, that God, that You show us how much You love us and You, uh, Lord, You reveal Yourself. God, when we were so uh, unworthy, God, when we were undone, God, when we didn't deserve anything, Lord, I, I, I just looking at myself, Lord, you came to me at that moment. God, when if, looking at the story of my life, it was when I deserved it the least. That's the moment you showed your love and mercy on me. God, thank you for that, that you do reveal yourself, your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray tonight, whatever circumstance that, Lord, this this viewer finds themselves in tonight. 
God, that you would be there right now. Reveal yourself to hearts and lives tonight. God, for those that are, God, they're, they're walking in victory, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty faithfulness that you've been so good to us and you are revealing yourself and we've been in your presence today and we felt your spirit and you're still revealing yourself because you love us so much. Thank you for that, Lord. And God, for the one that, God, there's something there that you're putting a spotlight on. God, thank you for revealing that. And God, let them be willing to let it go. Lord, to surrender it all, to find the true joy of surrendering to you. And God, for that one that doesn't, uh, Lord, it's not filled, that God, that ultimate gift that needs the Holy Spirit. God, Lord, give them a desire and say, Lord, here I am. You've said, feel me and for me to ask for it. And God, I'm trusting you and I'm not going to let go until you give me that greatest gift that you've promised. And that's being overflowed with the Holy Spirit, Lord, because I need it. I need that strength. I need that help. Lord, do it, God. Do the miraculous. And then, God, for that one that doesn't even know you, God. Lord, thank you that that's the ultimate, God, that you reach down, Lord. And it's not, they don't have to do anything to be worthy. All they got to do is just call on your name. And, Lord, confess they're a sinner and ask you to forgive them of their sin and believe that you are their Savior and that, Lord, you are making a change in their heart and life. And, Lord, when they confess their sin, you are faithful and just to forgive their sins, cleanse their sins, and to forgive them from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for your word and that you're doing it even tonight. Thank you for the victory. Thank you, God, for your mighty power. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself, that we can know a holy God, that we can feel your presence, that we're not left alone, that, God, that we feel you all through the night and any time that we, Lord, call on your name, Lord, you're revealing yourself to us. And you're still doing it, God. Be real. Let us not have some stagnant relationship with you that we don't feel anything. But God, that there would be such a newness and freshness in our spirits. God, that we overflow with joy because we feel your presence like never before. Thank you for that, Lord, what you're doing. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen.